Welcome to the St. Elias Report, where evil and heresy are exposed by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ through sacred scripture and tradition of the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I'm your host and humble servant of God, George Anthony. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he mediates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's been some time, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, since I've been with you. I have a very special show. I have two of my brothers in Christ and very, very, very good friends with us, David Griffith and Victor Hermanson. Both of these gentlemen, along with two other people who are with us, but not with us physically right now, that being my wife and God the Father, are the reason that you are hearing my voice. These gentlemen have inspired me, along with my wife and God the Father, to put this show together um, all of us met on Discord some time ago in an unrelated, uh, I would call it, well, related or unrelated spiritual warfare. It certainly wasn't a Christian uh, show and Discord server, but we had very Christian-based conversations, and both Dave and Vic became very, very close friends of mine and helped me put on this show, as you know. Vic is our producer. He is our sound magician. Without him, we do not have good sound. We sound like, you know, me recording out of an iPhone. And without David, we don't frankly have a website. We don't have a website and all the other technical things that need to run the podcast. Both of these gentlemen, besides just being techie gurus, are my brothers in Christ, are my very good friends, are my support, are are the people that I've leaned on. Uh, Frankly, this past couple of months have been very rough. Actually, the whole summer has been very rough. I've gone through some personal things. We've had some surgeries in the family. We've had, we've had unemployment in the family. We, we've had sicknesses. We've had disease, disaster, pestilence, and war pretty much all throughout uh, our summer. And these gentlemen have heard my voice in times of pain, anguish, uh, desperation, and they've kept me going. Now, we're here back in a place where I think that uh, we need to be. And frankly, the summer has been very inspirational to me and these gentlemen as well. Uh, What we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about 
Christian masculinity or masculine Christianity, however you want to put it. I always am a big fan of this subject because what it means to me to be a Christian means to be a man, to lead by example, to do the things that are hard, to suffer well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my very good friends, my brothers in Christ, David Griffith and Vic Hermanson. Gentlemen, you decide who wants to go first. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then I'll start doing the interview process, and we can just do like we always do on a a random Tuesday evening, just chitter-chatter, and I'll try to lead the conversation where it goes. Go ahead, Vic. I was just going to say, why don't you go first, Dave? But, okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, My name is Vic Hermanson. I've been a friend of George's now for, gosh, George, what is it, a little more than a year? That's right. Yeah, a little more than a year, maybe almost a year and a half. Um, we have, the three of us developed what I consider to be a genuine bond, uh, which is interesting because we've never been in the same physical space at any time. So we've, we've never stood within five feet of each, of each other. We're all three in different states, and that is the state of the world these days, in that your friendships are often based upon people who are willing to share ideas with you rather than people who are your next-door neighbor. I don't think that's a bad thing. I kind of miss the fact that I've of having close friends that are very close you know, that are very physically close to me, but it hasn't been that way in a while. I consider myself a bad Catholic. And I'm looking at George's face to see if he's going to chuckle at that, but I, I, I don't consider myself a, a – I'm certainly not in the – I don't have the same degree of, of zeal and commitment that George has. I have my own kind of quieter zeal and commitment, and I, unfortunately, I feel like at least part of my life, I've kind of failed in doing those things that a Christian man should do. And we can talk about that later. I will say that in the last five years, my my feeling of closeness to Christ has increased tremendously, probably to the point where it's the greatest it's ever been. And I'll pass to Dave. Thanks, Vic. So I, like Vic, I met George online. We were on Discord. It was a little over a year and a half ago, probably, we started having our first conversations. And, you know, my background is as it's all Protestant, uh, mostly Southern Baptist, but I've I've been through the, the gamut of Protestant denominations. And we met through having really in-depth and uh, heated discussions at times uh, on theology and doctrine and, you know, biblical translation and all of that. It's, they were great discussions and and always, absolutely. And always held with, with great respect uh, for each other. And while there are still areas where, where we have disagreements, um, we've, we've come to terms on a whole lot. And it's been, I think, good for both of us. I know it's been great for me. Uh, so I've had my 
challenges in the past with spiritual warfare and and wholly support you know what George is doing with this this podcast. I think it's a fantastic uh resource for people and inspiration. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks guys. So I'm going to I'm going to peel back the polite politically correct onion for both of you and I'm going to go a little deeper into your lives. So Victor is not a bad catholic. Victor is a self self-deprecating genius who struggles with humility not because he's not humble because he's probably one of the most humble men I've ever met in my entire life and he always feels that whatever level he's on isn't good enough and I've noticed that and and you know what that that is one of the most admirable traits that I aspire to. I'm not a humble person. I've mentioned in my podcast and those who are listening to this know me personally. Humility is not one of my qualities. David, David forgot to mention one big thing. David, thanks be to God, is newly baptized within months. Ah, yes. He is a newly baptized, praise be to God, Christian, officially in the family of the Lord. And when he told me that, I literally, I don't know where I was, but I think I jumped out of my seat because we were talking about the efficacy of baptism, the efficacy of the sacraments. Should we, shouldn't we, do we need it? Do we not? What denominations require it? What denominations don't? What the formula is? I mean, we went through the whole thing. And I think, I don't know, after much prayer and, and fasting, I want to say, but I'm not sure, after much decision on David's part. Um, he just basically one day came up and just typed us a group message like, guys, I'm going to get baptized like this Sunday. And I'm like, what? Hold on. You can't. I want to get I want to be there. I want to be the Godfather. I want to be the witness. I was like, I was, I, you know, if I could have been, I, I would have flown all the way down uh, to where he's at in the southern part of the state. But it, it's just amazing. These these gentlemen are are humble in their own right. Um, they're vicious warriors for Christ, and I don't mean in the in the sense of picking up a weapon and, and fighting for Christ. They're they're intellectual warriors for Christ. I haven't seen someone like Dave and Vic proclaim the gospel, and I don't mean reading out of a book. I'm talking about the way they live and the way they act. These guys, these guys humble me, um, and and sometimes just kick my butt a little bit, you know. And that's what we're supposed to do as brothers. And this is what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about male spirituality. What's it mean to be a Christian man today? So I'm going to do a number, uh, throw the dice, if you will, and I'm going to throw it back to Vic, and I'm going to ask him the question. Vic, what does it mean to be a Christian man for you? What does that mean to you? Okay. That's a very, very broad question. And I guess the way I thought about it when you threw that question out earlier today in your Discord message was, who are my role models in being a Christian man? And I don't have a great many. And I think that's one of the issues that George is running into. My father, <clears throat> he was a, uh, a very loose, very occasional Lutheran. He um, actually had a pretty big hatred for the Catholic Church. And I really have never, I never really quite understood what he hated about the Catholic Church so much, and he could never tell me. Uh, it was just a, it was just one of those things that people carry around. And by the time 30 years have passed, they don't even remember why they began to feel that way. But they've become attached to that feeling. Uh, my father, I would occasionally come into a room and I would see him there reading a Bible. This is probably about a once-a-year sort of thing. 
And I would quietly turn around and walk out of the room feeling, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad Dad's reading that Bible. I didn't bother him when he did that. And he, I cannot remember a single time when my father ever talked to me about anything in a religious manner, in a, in a religious vein. Just not, not a single time. <clears throat> so I guess when I was very young, I was a probably a precocious child, and I would hang around the older men who lived in the neighborhood and talk to them, and some of them were religious, and I'd ask them religious questions. I remember in Louisiana going to what we used to call summer Bible school. And it was essentially, you take kids, uh, you take them for two weeks, every day they go to a church somewhere, they do activities, they build little, make little scrolls, they make little log cabins, and this is the uh, ex- religious exposure to, of this kid to this, for the summer. And I remember almost nothing about the religion part of it. What I remember is making things. I don't really remember having anybody talk to me seriously about my spiritual state in the world until I met Father John O'Sullivan in Tampa. Father O'Sullivan, uh, I don't know what flavor of priest he was, if I'm thinking about it. He was a small Irish man, huge arms, huge hands, just incredibly muscular, incredibly strong. In that church were also two other priests, both of whom were very effeminate. They were very effeminate people. And I never felt any particular attachment to them. Father O'Sullivan, though, he would talk to me. He, I would ask him difficult questions, you know, things about, well, I mean, I was aware of, okay, this is time for honesty. I was aware of infidelity on my father's part. And I would ask him about that, <clears throat> and he would, you know, he would say, "Okay, what does a man do when you run into a situation where you're aware that someone you love has has failed, and you still love them, and you want to find some way to forgive and to move on?" He never taught me how to do that, but he made it just extremely clear um, about <clears throat> the fact that it was my job in life to pray and to find a way to get through that. Since then, I've gone up and down in the church. I Many, many people fall away from the church for a period of time, go back, fall away again, go back. This is not at all uncommon in the Catholic Church. and, and Not at all? Not at all uncommon. Uh, the last time that I went back, I stayed, and that has been now about... I'm going to say about 18 years. I can remember going to confession that first time, and I I said to the priest, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been 11 years since my last confession. And he says, 11 years, huh? Well, why are you here today? And I said, well, I just felt that it was time to come back. And he said, well, you know that the impetus, the impetus to do that did not come from inside of you. I said, well, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I know what you're saying. 
And I would tell him that I did feel uh, kind of a an urging um, from God. Now, one of the things I've learned in terms of dealing with those urgings is it's kind of like Jonah. When God tells you to do something, you have to do what God tells you to do. Because if you don't, and it's something that God genuinely wants you to do, you'll be swallowed by a fish and spat out on a distant ocean or on a distant shore. You don't have any choice in that. I think I'm happy that I haven't felt those things that I absolutely must do that many times. One of the things in my life that I feel, well, I have mixed feelings about it. I have two sons. Uh, The younger son is uh, a hardcore atheist, hardcore atheist, and almost an anti-theist. And I have... made it very clear when we're talking that if he wants to talk about religion, I'll talk about anything he wants to talk about, but I'm going to be me. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him those things that I believe. And I know that sometimes that makes him angry, but I think that's my job is to, you know, there's no fear in telling you what I believe. And I have to put up with the fact that sometimes it makes him angry and it makes other people angry. My older son is not a hardcore atheist. In fact, he's, He's probably at least a theist, okay, I, or maybe a deist, but he certainly is aware that there is more to life than just absolute physical causality. It has not been really all that painful for me to realize that my sons are not strong members of the Catholic Church or any church, and the reason for that is that Before they got to be very old, I, along with the help of God and a lot of prayer and a lot of luck, I was able to put the morality in them. they're, They're doomed for the rest of their life to live by this particular code because by the time they were six, it was hardwired into them. Um. I I don't worry about either of my children doing well in life and uh, not not having the tools they need to succeed. I pray often that they will over time become closer to God. And and I pray for that pretty much every day. My my life in terms of <clears throat> Uh, marriage and romance has been, like most men's, uh, up and down and periods of incredible pain and times of uh, almost despair, great turmoil, and then periods where things healed and things were better. Uh, currently, I'm probably the best I've ever been in that. I deeply love my wife. She deeply loves me. She's not Catholic. She is uh, LDS or was at one time LDS, but it's not LDS now. We, we do pray together. We, um, <clears throat> you know, before every meal, before bed, whenever there's some serious issue, whenever there's some, something confusing, something we need to talk about, we, we do pray. It's interesting when she has gone to Mass with me, 
uh, George, you know what it's like when you take a non-Catholic to Mass. The, <laughs> yeah. there's, always, there's always this look on their face of just utter and total confusion. And, <clears throat> you know, she says, well, when do I stand up? When do I sit down? I said, don't worry about it. Just, just sit down. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do the up and downs. You don't have to do the jumping jacks. Uh, you know, so anyway, but she, I don't believe she will ever become Catholic. But I do believe that she is, uh, has a relatively deep faith. It's not the same kind of faith as I have. Now, how do I explain this? Her faith is one of just kind of blind trust in God. I don't mean that negatively, in that it's not something she worries about at all on a moment-to-moment basis. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got to drink something. <clears throat> My faith is one of not wrestling with God, but bugging God and saying to God, why don't I understand more? Why do I fail as often as I do? Obviously, it's necessary that I fail at these things in order to learn. But it doesn't mean that I'm always happy about it. <clears throat> and and I pray all the time, God, please make me a stronger being to do those things I need to do. I have found in the Catholic Church <clears throat> that finding other men who are willing to sit down and have a discussion about things of the mind, things of the spirit, things of God, things of, of faith. It's like trying to find a six-leaf clover. It's, and, I, and that's, I suppose, where I feel most alone now, is that, yes, I'm sure they're out there somewhere, because I read articles written by them. But finding them is a very, very hard thing to do. So my faith is one of I, I share it with George, I share it with Dave, I share it with my wife, I share it with those people that I can talk to occasionally. I try to behave in a way that I consider to be what a Christian man should, the way that I think a Christian man should behave. I fail every day in doing that, and I get up the next day and try again. I... When I sin and make an error in life, I know it. There's not any question in my mind. It's, it's not a matter of, hmm, I wonder if that was someplace where I sinned. Yeah, 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 that was a sin. And I, I think one of the things I find troublesome is that the many people I talk to, they really don't have an understanding or an acceptance of the just the idea of sin that your actions in life matter. Now, of course, Catholics, we're, we're not sitting around thinking that we're going to attain salvation through our works. But I think most Catholics understand that your works still matter. And how God judges that, I don't really concern myself with that. But I, I try to stay... <clears throat> strong, calm, humble, open to answer people's questions as they have them. And I try to maintain my masculinity when I'm in that situation. 
if you go to well there are there are two Catholic churches I've gone to here in New York, and both of them are tremendously dominated by women. Just about every office in the church is held by a woman. Some of these are ex-nuns. Some of these are just women in the church. And it changes the way the church feels. I have tried to place myself in those groups, and for the most part, men are accepted only peripherally. This is a very big concern for me in that much of the much of the church's falling away from strong men who want to keep it strong. Man, I talked a hell of a lot too long there. No, not at all. Let me let me take the reins because mm-hmm. I I know this is going to be more therapeutic for you guys than it is going to be uh, a popularity contest for me. So, I'm going to summate hopefully what Vic's saying. Vic's Male spirituality, knowing him, seems to be a struggle. Is that a good theme for you, Vic? Your male, not just spirituality, like not just biblical reading and theology reading, but your spirituality as a man. To me, what I hear from you on a daily basis, what you're revealing in this podcast to our brothers and sisters in Christ, is that it seems to be a struggle for you. Not a struggle to be a man, but a struggle to be a spiritual man with others that are maybe, I don't know, on the peripheries wishy-washy, effeminate, all these things that you've, I mean, literally, I'm going to hand off with the podcast to you. You just, you, <laughs> Vic went down my list. It's amazing. But is that is that safe to say, Victor? That Well, my inner spirituality does, does, is not a struggle. Um, okay, I don't, I'm not bragging here. My inner belief in God, my inner faith in God, my inner understanding that I owe God everything. I owe God my life, my devotion, my struggle, my time, and every bit of my mind. It's, you know, <clears throat> I guess one thing I didn't talk about, and George, I'm sorry, I'm really kind of dominating your show here, but I went through a period of when my before my sons were born of trying to find the right religion for me. And I started reading all about Judaism. And there's a lot that is very, very, very attractive about Judaism in terms of, you know, look, we're, we're people of the book. We're, part of our job in life is to learn. Part of our job in life is to live in a way that is holy, trying to be holy. That lasted almost five years. And then I finally realized that I was never going to fully find what I wanted in Judaism, and that's the last time that I came back to the church. So the struggle that I have is finding community. The struggle that I have is not feeling alone. Now, I can go talk to our priests, and the priest will say, well, you're not alone. You've got hundreds, and look out there. There are hundreds of people who are uh, here to uh, share this journey with you, and I'll say, okay, find me one that I can sit down at lunch and talk about this for an hour. Your turn, George. Thanks, Vic. I, you know, we're going to cut this up and we're going to do what we need to do, but I want to hear from David. So David, I'll reiterate the question to you, not spirituality, but what does it mean to be a spiritual man to you? And I'm going to add the second question because frankly, Victor answered it before I asked it. God bless him. How did you come to Christ? Um, Victor did a combination package, 
God love him. Yeah. So I'm throwing it out to you now. You got two, a twofer. You got a BOGO. Buy one, get one. So, so I'm going to start with the second question. Um, okay. Please do. Because we're rule breakers. That's what we do. That's what we do. You got it, buddy. Uh, so I grew up in... I don't know. I my grandparents went to a Lutheran church. My uh I, my stepmother went to a Baptist church. It was Southern Baptist and uh my grandmother on the other side went to a Presbyterian church. I spent time in in all of those and was was fairly involved. Uh I was in in choir in most of them youth choir then adult choir later on. I, uh, I look back on it. It's kind of surprising how I went through all of that and wasn't baptized, <laughs> but, um, but that was a choice that my parents gave to me and, uh, and let me make that choice. And by the time it was really even discussed, I was almost 18 and I had decided I was pretty, pretty much done with this stuff. Right. So I saw plenty of um hypocrisy and gossiping and things like that in the churches that just did not seem to be what the bible taught not that i even at that point had really read the bible it was something that always was difficult for me to sit down i mean i could read it through a few verses but to sit down and read it you know i get through genesis and you know i was half asleep by the time i was on the third page it just didn't speak to me, which is interesting. So when you ask what it means to be a Christian and what's my Christian history, I would say that by the time I was a young adult, I believed in God. I had a belief that there was this deity over us who wanted us to do well, who cared, right? Maybe even took a role in our lives at some times. But there was no real Christ in that. And I don't know why there wasn't. It's just not the way I thought about it. I thought about God. I didn't really think about Christ. I just thought about God, this over, you know, fatherly figure. Um, and so I went away from the church, you know, as a as a young adult, and you know, I explored all kinds of other things, but I think I, I got to a point to where I was comfortable with God. There's a God out there, live a good life, do good, you know, the golden rule type stuff. But I never thought much more about it than that. And then I had my own spiritual warfare type of experience with the demonic. Um, we won't go into all the details of that, but it was a, a serious wake up call. That if there's if there's evil out there, like real evil, evil that is sitting there that you can touch, well, then you know, God's got to be really real, right? I mean, it's that's a real absolutely. thing, absolutely, absolutely. And so that's when my journey began, and this was 2014 or so, right? So what, almost 10 years ago, um. That's when I opened the Bible, and and of course, 
you know, me, I was, was, I had to figure out which Bible I had to get first. Right. So it's like, (laughs) which translations should I have, you know, and, uh, overthinking everything. That's what I do. Uh, but I got my new American standard Bible out and started at the beginning and it took me about a year, but I read through the Bible and it spoke to me. All of a sudden I understood a lot more deeply the stories I had heard as a kid, uh, but it became much more personal. It became much more relevant in my life. And that began my journey to becoming a real Christian, where I understood the Christ part of it, where I understood the Holy Spirit. I mean, I never even thought about the Holy Spirit, right? And the idea of praying to the Holy Spirit, that's really kind of odd, but now it's it all started to make sense, the Trinity. And it it really filled my life, and it gave me a lot of hope in some really, really dark times. Now, the flip side of that is, is that I have a family that was perfectly comfortable living life the way I was before that experience. There's no Christ in their life either. Right. There's the idea of, you know, I have my my oldest is uh, like like Vic's son. He's pretty much an atheist. Um, He, I think, is maybe more open to it than he was five years ago. But, you know, if you were to if you were to pin him down, he would say, no, that's all that's all bunk. There's nothing there. And I don't know if he'll ever get there. That's that's. All I can do is try to set an example and you let God lead him to it when he does. Uh, my youngest, I think when he was younger, was probably more of a believer than he is now, but he's at that rebellious, he's still in those years, right, of of late youth, early adulthood where, you know, you don't want to do what you're told. You don't want to believe what you're supposed to believe and, and all of that. I, I fully expect that my hope, I pray that, uh, you know, he'll come to it as he gets a, a year or two older. But the hardest is my wife. So my wife does believe in God. She does believe, you know, maybe there are angels out there. We had a conversation about that the other day. But she wouldn't call herself a Christian. and she. um you know, she just, she is on her journey as well. What I will say is that it is something that I pray about regularly to to lead him, for God to lead them to him. And I see that moving. And I see that, you know, what they see in me is I have a strong faith. They see that I have, um, you know, I've read the Bible. I read it occasionally, uh, probably not as often as I should, but I do. You know, we'll say a prayer at dinner when we're all sitting down together. Um, I don't have a church currently, but they saw me go to church for a while. The, what was beautiful was that they all came to my baptism, even my oldest son. He left work early to get there, which was, which meant a whole lot. Um, so they're accepting of it. And, they see it in my life. And so all I can do is hope that 
that sets the example for them and they keep working towards it. Um, but I, I will say I've seen instances where, where God has shown his hand in our lives. And even my wife has seen it, uh, you know, with, with health issues, with accidents that should have been fatal. I mean, we have seen our things where God, you know, protected us in a certain way and it's been fantastic. And, and I think that that it's certainly something that I see. And I hope that it's something that they see more and more as we go. So that's how, you know, that was sort of my journey, uh, in, in going to the faith. Uh, what was the first question? <laughs> that was excellent. The first question is what's it mean to be a Christian man, like male spirituality, right? Not just a Christian, yeah. not just spiritual, but a Christian man. I think there is, and I probably should have done this before, but I'll do it now. I think there's there's an understanding of being a Christian. Most people will admit to being a Christian, and then for them, that would be baptized and believe in God the Father, maybe the Holy Trinity, kind of, you know, a, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but a very general idea of what it means to be a Christian, that Christ died for our sins, and he was resurrected from the dead. But what's it mean to be a male and a Christian? For me, I always come up with the idea of crusader, someone who's not afraid to die for their family, for their faith, for what they believe in. And I mean that very literally. So I don't think we have a lot of male spirituality. We have a lot of spirituality, and we have a lot of male Christians. The two are not equally entwined. And Vic kind of mentioned that with, with his struggles with gentlemen and ladies in the church. Um, you know, we have we have Sunday going Christians. We have Bible reading Christians. But do we really have men that are kind of like what we were talking about prior to this podcast? Men in Poland willing to pray on their knees in public as an example to society? Do we have men that are willing to defend their family, faith, and freedom with their lives and liberty and their blood? Do we have these things? Are we aspiring to these? So long story short, long question short, what's it mean for you, Dave, and you, Vic, to be a Christian man? Not just a Christian, not just I believe in God the Father and the Holy Trinity and I read the Bible and I come to Christ, but as a man in our religion, our religion is Christianity, following Jesus' footsteps, following the 12 apostles who were all martyred except John, because that was the blessing for John. What's that mean to you? That was the, the crux of the, In fact, this is the crux of this whole show. Well, I want to ask a question that's a little off the cuff, but I, I would just about bet... I don't know, a big amount of money that Dave has a spreadsheet somewhere that shows the pros and cons of every single Bible translation. And <laughs> um, I have no comment. <laughs> and if he doesn't, I certainly do. <laughs> because that's the, that's the kind of guy that Dave is. Dave uh, keeps things very organized. Vic, so I'm going to kick it back to you. We are talking about what it means to be a Christian man and some examples about how you live as a Christian man or that you've had in your life. 
Well, I've already told you about Father O'Sullivan, you know, being perhaps the primary role model in my life in terms of how to be a man, how to be a Catholic, how to be someone who quietly and with dignity loves the Lord. That's, that is what Father O'Sullivan was. I know that in the church where I go, there are a great many strong Christian men. They, I believe, have somehow, and I think it's wrong, decided that it is best at this time in society to be quiet about it. I think they've decided it's not a good idea to stand up and say, hey, this is what I am, this is what I believe. And I've decided that's, I'm not going to do that. If people ask me what my particular, <coughs> excuse me, what my particular opinion about something is, that opinion is often informed by by Christ. I have <coughs> the the privilege of being married into a a huge family, which has a very different view of Christianity than Catholicism. They take things to a point where I can't I can't join them in their theology, but I can certainly try to join them in their strength and their holiness. These are strong families, and they absolutely do not have any hesitation in talking about their belief, in talking about God, in talking about what is important in raising children. And I try to follow that example. <clears throat> I mean, you've actually been the example for me of being more aware of my faith and making myself work harder in that. They've been the example of it can be done. There was a a big gathering of the family recently, <clears throat> and Dr. Temple, of course, is the, the patriarch of the family. And I guess part of the question is, who's going to be the patriarch after he dies? Because he will die in probably the next five years. <clears throat> And his wife, uh, Mary, Mary Jane, was quite ill and couldn't come to this, this gathering. So we decided to call her, and they wanted to sing a song. They wanted to sing something to her. And just with zero rehearsal, they started singing. The men, the women, the kids, everybody was part of this song. They were harmonizing. There was zero rehearsal. And I think the reason they were able to do that was because they all shared that faith in God, that faith in Christ. And that extends to faith in each other. So there's got to be that courage to simply live that way, whether anybody approves of it or not. Thanks, Vic. So, Dave, going to you next, same question, my friend. What does it mean to you to be a male and a Christian? Not just a Christian, but male, masculine Christianity. So I struggle enough just to be a Christian. I get what you're asking. Uh, and 
when I look around at the world today, um, I see a a huge amount of people that struggle with even being Christian and outside of the church, I see a, a huge part of the world that struggles with being male. Uh, the idea of being masculine in the world today is, is difficult. Uh, and I look at my youth and growing up and I see where I, you know, I look back and I see where the world has pushed us over the years to be, oh, well, that's toxic. That's too masculine. That is, you know, you can't be like that. You, as if, you know, we're, we're all a bunch of, you know, steroid ripped <laughs> beasts that want to beat people up all the time, you know, and, and I think that it's it's hard to find the balance in the world today of of being a man and and being uh masculine at the same time not being too much of that. And to do that in the Christian world actually is almost easier, I would say, because there's a certain amount of acceptance of that in in some of the Christian world and in some of the Protestant world, I know it's well, and some of the Catholic world from talking with you guys, uh, it, it is, is much more watered down and much more, much less masculine, but there are areas within the, the Christian world that, that are more accepting of male roles and, you know, as described in the Bible and tradition and how it should be. But I think it's very hard. I think the world tries very hard to, to keep that down and not allow people to be accepted in that type of role. You know, you use the example of, of Poland. I, I don't know what's going on there, but what are they down there kneeling for? What is their, the fight that they're fighting? They're fighting the same thing we're fighting in the United States that not only their country, their country is a Christian country. They're, it's mostly it's a let's call it a religious country, but it's 95 percent Christian, uh, predominantly Catholic, if you will. What they're fighting is they're fighting the fact that they don't want the LGBTQ plus deviant lifestyle to now take over what was a country of saints. St. Faustina, St. Pope John Paul II, St. Maximilian Colbert, and on and on and on and on. It's a country of holiness and saints. It has produced more saints in one square mile that didn't know each other than any other country in the world besides Lebanon. That, that's a fact, Jack, and you can take that to the bank. What they're fighting for is to keep their Christian identity, keep God inside of politics, not for the fact to oppress the other, but the fact to give the other the dignity that we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and not to succumb to the evilness of the world, which is, you know, whatever you want to do today, you do today, whatever you want to do tomorrow, tomorrow. Right. And you have a lot of modernists and secularists and uh, non-theists in the government um, trying to push this idea on Poland, and Poland's not having it. And the men are standing up 
in fact, they're kneeling. They're, they're, they're kneeling down, to be quite honest. If you, if you see the pictures, they're kneeling down in the street with rosary beads in their hand, Bibles, crucifixes to show. We are men, the same men who fought in the Crusades against uh, the Saracens, the Mohammedans, a.k.a. the Muslims, to try to wash Christianity from the, the shores of the Holy Land. This is another Holy Land for them, or Poland's another Holy Land for them. So they're fighting the good fight to say, hey, we're here. We're still here. We still believe in Christ. We're in persona Christi. You know, Christ was a man. We're men. We're leading our families. We're leading our children. Not just the watered down Christianity, Catholicism that we have with the church bake sale and the little ladies uh, that Vic is talking about running everything and father is just a drone and he listens to whatever the women say. I'm not saying that women cannot lead. I'm saying that our religion from the very foundation of, of, of Genesis was led by men and led in the fact of spiritual, not do this, do that, tell people what to do. But we're so far away from that, that the men in Poland, the short answer is they're showing that they're there. They're taking up space, like I like to say. They're, they're show, hey, we're here. It's not just a bunch of Catholics out there, 95% uh, who are women with rosaries and veils on their head. We're men, big, rugged, solid, strong men who are able to humble ourselves before the Lord and try to take back our religion and our country and our families. That's what they're doing in Poland. They're, they're, they're making a stand that we're not going to have this effeminate, uh, effeminacy creep into not only a country and our families and our lives, but also our, our our religion as well. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine that here. It's really man, hard I to imagine start that it happening up. here. What's that? Man, you guys know I want to start it up, and I'm trying to fire the heck out of everybody that listens to this podcast. I am so trying to do that. It is it's such a hard thing. I mean, Victor and I, we talk. David and I, we talk. And, and it, it seems to be like the way of the world right now is that... Well, let me describe to people around the world, because I have international listeners, what Christianity is in the United States. Uh, typical. Not, not, not my parish, Victor's parish, where Dave's gone, but just in a general, like, overall Christianity. And I'll come from a Catholic angle, and Dave, you can, you can throw it out, and, and, and Vic, you can come from your, you know, your conversion from A to B. But what it seems to be is Sunday is Mass or, or, or Bible study. Sunday is, you know, service, Sunday service, whether it's mass or you call it something else. And the rest of the time is just live and let live, right? We don't have too much living that Christian, our, our Christian faith. We, we don't have a lot of works. Yeah, you, you get together after mass and maybe you, you, you have coffee and what they call fellowship. And, and, you know, you do a couple of things, bake sale, you raise some money for the poor kids. You, you, but what, what we don't have is we don't have seven-day-a-week faith, generally speaking. Now, a lot of us have it, and I think I'm t- talking to two guys that, that got it, or at least all three of us are struggling with it. But we don't have that seven-day-a-week faith. We have that identify on Sunday or Saturday if you're a seven-day Adventist or, or a Jew, what your faith is, or Friday if you're a Muslim, what your faith is. Faith in the United States, generally speaking, forget Christianity. We're focused and we love, we're, we're lovers of Christ, but Faith in the United States is so watered down. We're, we're so busy doing other things that we, we just identify our, our prayer day. Now, is that wait, true wait, for wait. everyone? I, I want to jump in here. There's, it's even worse than what you're describing. Faith in the United States, for most people, 
is something that they may have, but for the most part, they try to hide it. They do not want it to be seen publicly. There's this is why I love this guy. I love this guy. It's almost as if it's something that they're genuinely ashamed of. And yeah, and that's that's part of what I'm, <clears throat> Vic is is beautiful. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Go do your thing on Sunday, but don't you dare speak when someone speaks against your religion in work. Don't you dare, because if the majority majority is against you, you'll wind up. Yeah, it's it's almost a scare tactic. Like. I'm not one of those people. You guys know that. I mean, we're on camera right now. We're recording. This thing stays around my neck, the cross of Christ, 100% of the time. I don't care if I'm in work. I don't care where I'm at. I made a conscious decision a few years ago to be like that. I wasn't always like that. I I was exactly what Vic's describing. Deeply believed, deeply understood, but did not deeply show my male spirituality my male catholicism my male christianity because you know what the world doesn't want that they doesn't they don't want in persona christi they don't want someone to be in the place of christ it's scary to the devil it's scary to the world who is only consumed with the next best thing sex drugs shiny objects money power to for have a man to show himself, it, it's natural for a woman, right? In fact, in fact, most spirituality in the in the United States, even occult spirituality, you'll you'll find practiced by women. So it's it's par and parcel of what we're talking about. I think what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to start that spiritual crusade. I'm trying to make men not. Scared. And women, frankly, women women are very important in this. Women are important in this to support the male and men to support their wives. It's, it's not it's not just all about men, but we're we're talking about men tonight because that's what we are. And I want to hear from you guys. So I kind of know Vic's story. Vic Vic alluded to it earlier, but Dave, in your in your process from multi i want to call it multi-protestantism right i, I just coined a <laughs> phrase i just coined a phrase everybody multi-protestantism to what i'm calling right now pseudo-catholicism because i'll be honest with you guys i'm going to put david on blast right now i've had conversations with both victor and david and i know victor is is a converted catholic and he's been catholic for many years but david david although he's not a professed confirmed catholic boy does he sound more catholic than 95 percent of the people i go to church with on sunday whether it's in the tlm the traditional latin mass or the novus order the new mass the english mass boy does he know bible and and, you know whether we agree what it says that's a different story but i'm telling you you're gonna find christ in the most peculiar and odd places have your ears open and your eyes open to your brothers and sisters, guys, because these two gentlemen that we're speaking with tonight, none of us are saints. You know, I have my own faults. Victor has his and David has his. But let me tell you, I found Christ in these two gentlemen, in the most weirdest place on the Internet that one would ever find. You can go to church every Sunday and come out and not know a damn thing about a damn thing. And you have an effeminate priest sitting up on that altar. You have an effeminate bishop, preacher pastor, whoever's leading your, your congregation. Going to a particular building is not going to save your soul. 
Following Christ is going to save your soul. And that's what we're trying to struggle with tonight. We're trying to struggle with what does it mean to be crusaders, men willing to lay their, down their lives, liberty, and treasure for Christ. Well, are, we, are we willing to do that? I certainly know I am now. I wasn't always like that. I'm fired up. Anytime I talk to these guys about anything, I have a very, very strong opinion. It could be what the, the, the politics of the world, religion, or anything. And I think that's what we need. Um, I know Victor is kind of in a, and I'll let Vic talk. Victor's kind of in a, a way where he's struggling to kick out of that box, right? Who are the men that I can I I can speak with? And David is is still working on I think maybe level one or five to five, trying to figure out the church, the denomination where he's at. Although I know where he's going, and he doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> but with all that being said. You guys take over the show. I want to know what your struggles are as a man, as a Christian man, and, and what are you doing or how have the other two helped in this struggle? Well, I'm going to jump in I, because I have to address it. One of, my, one of the aspects of my faith right now is unfortunately that it is bombarded with what is becoming a more and more realistic fear. And I think there are very powerful aspects of the Catholic Church that really want it to fail. This is a, and this, and man, I can't believe I'm even saying that. I, I remember the, the, the day that I was confirmed back in Tampa. I, someone said that this we would be in this state right now. I would not have believed it. I just absolutely would not have believed it. And I'm, I'm looking at Father O'Sullivan and thinking, "There's, you know, look, that is a very, very serious man." There, would I die for my family? Absolutely. You know, would I jump in front of a train for for Caroline, for either of my sons, for actually even quite a few people? Yes, I would. I'm kind of trying to make sure that that doesn't have to be. I don't really want to jump in front of a train, but. Does that come from my my faith in God? Yes, I think it does. I, as George has said, I I <clears throat> I was a Lutheran, and as a child, I can remember. I know George, this isn't what you wanted, but as a child, I can remember feeling the closest I've ever felt to ecstasy. Okay, and ecstasy is a word that gets used in the Catholic Church quite a bit. Okay, and ecstasy means, you know, that that deep, utter, open connection to God. And it's it's something that I've only felt a few times since I was 12. But I can remember in the Lutheran church, singing in the choir, looking at the at, at Pastor Durer, who was very definitely a man. You know, he was a German Lutheran, very, very definitely a man. And. He, I could just can remember this feeling that started in my my forehead and went back through my shoulders, and it was a it was a joy like I can not remember feeling since then. And I I can remember when Pastor Drew would stand up and he would say, uh, "The Kohanic blessing, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you." Man, I just it, it just chills would go through my body. I felt something close to that, uh, you know, years, years later in, in the Catholic Church. 
but as I, I don't think I've ever matched that feeling of ecstasy as a child. Now, I find myself I've been in situations where I've been told to shut up about my religious views. You know, hey, that's not welcome here. Well, then I guess I'm not welcome here. Because if you're going to ask me questions concerning my belief, the way that I approach the world, this is it. If you want me to lie to you, you got to find somebody else. Sorry about that. No, so, no, no apology needed. <laughs> what, there's, no, there's no apology needed. We're, we're just talking as a bunch of guys here. So let me ask you guys a couple questions. I mean, we're, we're, we're skipping all over the place, but we're answering all, we're hitting all the points. So there's no need to be concise. This is just in our normal lives that we do. Dave, Vic's already answered the question without asking it. Has your Christianity, specifically as a man, been a hindrance to you either professionally or in life? Just, just out in the world. Uh, let, let me give you an example how it's not been for me, how I, I thought it was, but it's not been. So I, everywhere I go, I have a I have a St. Benedict cross on on my neck. It's blessed by an exorcist, and I, I wear it to show, one, um, a follower of Christ. It reminds me to act in a way in public that I would act in private with my family and to witness to Christ without words. That's why I do it. Uh, it's not a braggadocious thing. It's, you know, and I, and I do the same thing with T-shirts. I have a, I have a couple of T-shirts that have funny things on them, but I have some t-shirts that have, you know, Jesus or a Bible verse on them. And it keeps me in check. One, because I'm not going to open my big, fat, stupid mouth that I have in public with, a, with the word of the most holy name above all names on my shirt. And it witnesses to others as I'm struggling to do just that, keep my mouth shut and act in a manner. I need some prompting. So I found ways to keep myself in check. Now, I thought originally when I started doing these things, wearing a cross around my neck and, and you know some Jesus T-shirts or actually just approaching people who are doing the same thing and giving them encouragement that I would get pushback. You know, it's been just the opposite for me. Since my family and I started praying in public at meals publicly, not just bowing our hearts, verbally, publicly, I'm not making a Jimmy Swaggart mess of it, but audibly praying as we pray at our table doing the things that I just mentioned, I found more positive reaction than negative. However, that's all incremental. You still get more negative reaction than you would get neutral reaction. So with the positive increased reaction, you also get an increase of negative reaction, but the positive far outweighs the negative. Now, for those of you who are trying to stay neutral, the gray man, so to speak, don't do what I'm doing. What I'm going to shoot to Dave is, as you're coming into the church, as you're nascent in the church, officially baptized in Christ months ago, one, are you carrying, and, and you know, you don't have to answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. One, are you carrying out your life or trying to carry out your Christian life publicly? If you are, how so? And if you're not, why? What's the struggle? And if you have, what was the reaction, right? Kind of like a all, just give me the details of yeah, so I, I don't I don't wear a a cross. Around. I mean, you know, I wear a Saint Benedict's medal, yeah, all the time. Uh, but I don't wear anything outward 
proclaiming any one thing or another. I mean, I wear a Pink Floyd t-shirt every now and then, but <laughs> I, I don't have anything with a cross or, or Christ or the saints on it. Um, I, we do when we're out and, and I know it's, we, it's not as good as it should be, but especially if we're out with our kids, we do pray at meals when we are out eating and honestly, and I used to even look around to see if anybody paid attention just out of curiosity. We don't get any looks. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother anybody. Now keep in mind that I live in a, in an area in Florida that's, that's fairly elderly. And so there are, it's, there's, there's plenty of Christians here around us it's more acceptable. It's not, you know, I don't live in a big city or anything like that where it might be shunned more. Um, but I have found that I live my life much like I did before. I do have conversations sometimes with other Christians, other people about, about God, Christ and such, if it comes up. Uh, but you know, it's I, I I have not had it negatively impact me in any way. And then, you know, for most of my life, it wasn't something that I was even thinking about. Right. So I, I suppose when I lived in California, if I'd have gone around praying at meals, uh, there might have been a, a, some reactions there. <laughs> but but that was long ago. So I. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it hasn't been a huge impact. You're right. So so the, the difference between the three of us is that, you know, I live near a very large metropolis. OK. Yep. And and Dave's down south. Uh, both these gentlemen are, are southern born and raised. And, and they're very proud of that. Victor is in the northeast. Um, it, there's different cultures that assimilate and gather around us. So we, I'm going to talk about one today. I was down the shore today with my, my family. Okay. On the Eastern shore. And I'm walking the boardwalk and, and, and so I forgot that I even had my, my, it says, Jesus is my lifeguard t-shirt. I have a t-shirt that Jesus is my lifeguard. He walked on water and there's like a little, you know, verse Matthew's verse right there. Um, and there's, there's these kids giving out, giving out, free Bibles. Right. And I don't know, I had like you know, a bunch of stuff on me. So my, my t-shirt is hidden. And I just, just at the right moment, the girl's like, do you want a free Bible, sir? And I turned around and I'm like, I was going to tell her, um, I have a few. Now here's the funny part. Whatever was on my chest, it was like stuffed animals and a bunch of stuff came off and I had put them down and she's seen the big word Jesus. And then was my lifeguard underneath. She's like, you probably have a couple. She actually reiterated i think that was like a holy spirit moment she actually reiterated the smart but comment i was going to give to her and say well i have a few she actually said to me i bet you have a few so i had to stop my wife looked at me looked and she knew there was like a holy spirit moment i just went up to them and says you know what guys you're doing a great job keep it up i know this is a really hard place to do what you're doing and then i proceeded to ask him what translation it was and we got a conversation so that, that was a whole that was a me thing but it was one of those moments where they needed that, I needed that, and it, it was great because they're frankly in a place where they're giving out Bibles, where right across the street, 
there's t-shirts that say i love hot dads i love hot moms i love naughty girls uh you know booty short you know down the shore all kind of craziness they're literally in an environment that's unwelcoming to them um you know and i kind of felt the same way but you know hey i'm gonna do what i do so those are the kind of people that i continuously try to connect with it doesn't matter the denomination but those that are outside proclaiming christ without words right they're just there they're taking up space they're 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 just offering christ to people you know we're not dragging people into the ocean and baptizing them although some of them down there probably need it but they were just proclaiming and they were getting frustrated and here i come along i didn't even know what i was doing i didn't even know who she was and she just tapped me would you like a bible and like she seen my jesus shirt and she was happy we're good she probably gave out maybe three bibles that day out of the hundred pack that she had um but we sanctified each other and we strengthened each other and that's what we need and that's what that's what i'm trying to start with this podcast and um i'm going to throw the same question to victor and i know victor maybe have a little bit of a uh a, a, a different view of this, but Vic, how how is that? How are you finding you living your Christianity in public, or proclaim proclaiming Christ without words or with words? Three questions: Are you doing it? If so, what's the what's the what's the result of that? And then this the the, the third question is: If not, why? Um, and is it is it like difficult for you? Where what's the What's the reason why it's, you know, frowned upon? Well, <clears throat> I have zero shame concerning my faith. Zero. And we say prayers in public. We pray before meals. It's, it's, it's interesting in that my wife's family prays very differently from me. They will have a, um, uh, a meal before prayer is a two-minute thing. You know where they're <laughs> going through all yeah. kinds of stuff. Uh, finally, it gets around to me. You know, Victor, why don't you say the prayer? Happy to. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Very Catholic. Very Catholic. And and that's that's the prayer I say. And everybody kind of looks at me for a moment, like that's all. Yep, that's it. That's, it. that's the one. <laughs> we don't need to do anything else. I think the way that I feel most driven to show my faith in the world is by the way I behave. Okay, when I'm <clears throat> when I'm out in public, when I'm among people, I think it's I think that a man should behave kindly to as many people as he can with the understanding that if he needs to behave savagely, he can do that too. And I don't want to behave savagely, but if it came to actually protecting someone, that kind of thing, I could do it. And I would not feel as if, or as, as if I were in any way betraying my faith by doing that. I try to help people. I still do. If I see... um you know, an elderly person struggling to get some groceries inside. It's just my nature. Run over. Hi, sir. Um, I can easily do that for you. Uh, would you like some help? And take the groceries in, carry in the chair they're trying to, you know, I help people as I see them. Uh, get some strange looks sometimes, but that's what I do. If I see someone who seems to be in trouble, really frightened, really scared, really 
having a mentally difficult moment. And even though there's some danger in this, I, there is some danger in this. I will say to them, are you all right? Do you need to talk to someone? Is there anything I can do? I'm still alive. No, nobody's, nobody's shivved me yet. But I've gotten some strange looks, and I probably have put myself in a little bit of danger doing that. But I wouldn't like myself when I got home if I didn't approach the person and ask them what they needed. Now, do I ever go up to somebody and say, excuse me, do you have a moment where I can talk to you about Christ our Lord? And I don't. I don't do that. And the reason is because I think I'm more likely to drive them away than I am likely to bring them closer to Christ. Probably, in my view, the best way I can bring people closer to Christ is by the way I behave. Excellent. You know, that's interesting because I, I find the the same thing. Uh, it's the way I was raised, and it's the way I live my life. Uh, if there are people that need help, I help them. My kids do the same thing. Uh, that is... It's it's hard for me to think of that as a way of living as a Christian, because to me, that's just the way you should be living. But it really is from a Christian upbringing um, that I, when you look back at it, I mean, I like I say, I wasn't super religious growing up, but I did grow up with family that was, and that's the way I was raised. So, yeah. George, have you ever seen... This is one once again going off on a tangent. There are now in the United States probably thirty men who are trekking across the country with a cross. Yeah, I'm familiar with these guys. I always stop and talk to them. You know, I'm going to do that. Oh yeah, I'll stop and talk to them too. Okay. So I don't know I mean, what the number is, but <clears throat> I down the shore. Yeah, we always mm-hmm. got one, and he's usually got a Bible. It's really well worn. Mm-hmm. Um. And man, that shoulder is red like all hell. Mm-hmm. And he just he just carrying that cross boy, and he's preaching. Now, there's different versions of those guys. The versions that I like are the silent martyrs. Those are the guys who are just being a witness to what what we're trying to accomplish here. The ones that I don't like are the pointy yelly ones. I don't like pointy yelly. You know, if you're gonna play cream the Bible, read the Bible out loud. Do that. But mm-hmm. the point to you're going to. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll do well with that one. Look, I'm going to say the the you're going to hell, you know, the, you know, the Lord's going to smite you. That yeah, kind I'm of not, thing. I'm not into that. That is not Christian in my view. That's 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 something else. That's um, bullying. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not a matter of, of uh, I don't believe God wants me to bring people to him through being a bully. No, not at all. You know, not at all. I think he wants me to bring people to him through the example of my behavior. I love these cross guys, uh, and I'm with you. The ones that, that I like the best are the the well. They're not silent, but the guys I've seen. I mean, they're serious. They're they're going from New York to Los Angeles mm-hmm. with that cross. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and then you know, so they've got a cross. It's got wheels. Uh, they've got a little wagon they're pulling. That's got their clothes and some food and some water. And they've got some big sign up that says, "Yep, you know, uh, I'm here to speak to you about about Christ. Just ask me." And that's it. That's it. Just ask me. Uh, I I greatly admire those guys. 
I do too. But you know, there's 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 a flip side to the the preachy, right? To the preachy fire and brimstone going to hell. There's this whole thing we're now encountering in the U.S. And I'm going to flip the script. It's mercy without justice. I'm not into it. Just like I'm not into faith without works. I'm not into it. I'm not going to sit here. Don't label me atheist person as a Christian and tell me your Bible says you have to turn your cheek because your Lord said it. I'm going to tell you what the Bible really says. It says that and it says, I come not to bring peace by the sword to mm-hmm. separate the wheat from the chaff. If you want to get preachy with me, you can get preachy back. Now, I'm not a kind of preachy guy outside of the podcast. I'm a, I'm a communicative guy and I like to, I like to communicate with people, but there's this thing it's been for the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years um, where people want to act a certain way. And then when you bring up your Christianity, it's, well, you're a Christian. So remember, be passive, shut your mouth. Don't say anything. Don't be a man. Remember you're effeminate and stay where you are. I'm not that way. I'm not going to be. I don't, I don't do mercy without justice. What's that mean? Mercy without justice means, okay, we just forgive everybody that does stuff to us, but we don't ask for justice in return. Example, bring in deviant sexual lifestyles. We're called to love our brothers and sisters. We're called to love these people. By calling, be, loving them means to love them genuinely as who they are, Justice requires that we allow them to know what Jesus is, right? You can't, you can't have a child that breaks a window and say, I forgive you, but don't expect them to clean up the glass or teach them what it means to uh, have a paper route and then maybe pay for part of it and daddy pays for the rest of it. Mercy without justice turns people into zombies, turns the people more sinful by just giving un the only one who can give us mercy without well he actually exacts justice is Christ. And we're we're called to give mercy and justice. So this call from our Christian brothers and sisters who don't know about Christianity and this call from outside of Christianity for mercy without justice, it needs to stop because what they're doing is they're turning our Christianity around on ourselves and telling us one verse from the Bible Turn your cheek, shut up, and don't judge. Listen, I'm going to explain to everybody out there, brothers and sisters, what it means not to judge. It means when God says, "Who am I?" Well, when the Pope said, "Who am I to judge?" What he was trying to say was, "I'm not judging your soul." That's in the final judgment. Nobody can do that. Well, we're supposed to judge is the actions according to the good book. We're supposed to judge the actions. So, like, if Vic comes over and slaps me. I'm not going to judge his soul. I don't know if his hand just went up and like, you know, or he had a bad day or I I said something to his or he thought I said something to his wife. I can't judge his soul. But what I can judge is his action. So if I came over and slapped you, George, there'd be a day of uh, mental lapse since you're about twice as big as I am. (laughs) Right. But (laughs) all all that being said is, you know, people don't want to believe in Christianity, but they want to use it against us. Yes. That's very I mean, true. against us, it's like, listen, if you're not going to be in, that's fine. And I'm OK with that. You'll have to serve. You'll have to you'll have to answer to the Lord on the day of judgment, whatever, you know, whatever the questions he asks you. And he judges your soul, me, Vic, Dave, everybody else. But don't Christians preach to me 
mercy without justice, and then use my Christianity against me. And I was falling into that trap for a very long time because people were like, oh, thou shall not kill. No, thou shall not murder. Thou shall not don't, murder. Don't take my Christianity <clears throat> and turn it upside down on me. Murder is unjust killing because how many times did God the Father order his prophets to take out all the, the infidels and, and, and the, the morons that were causing havoc. Because frankly, there was no other law system to do so, right? So the, the, the report, the, the show for this, who is named St. Elias, Elias, was a prophet that God said, hey, those priests over there, whack them out. They all got to go in Jersey language. Forget about it. They got to go. That wasn't murder because that was ordered by God. Now, I, I warn the person who thinks they're listening to God's voice and commits such an act. The difference between murder and killing is there's killing that's justified. Just war theory, protection of the family, not murder of children. And So I do not like people who, or I shouldn't say I don't like, I do not respect people who take our Christianity and use it against us. And one of the things going backwards to, for me, it means to be a male and a Christian or have male Christianity. It's not just go, oh, you're right. Thank you so much for letting me be passive again. It's to stand up and, and preach a little bit. Now, am I going out on the street with a bot? No, I'm not doing that. But as soon as someone, I give an example, as soon as someone sees like one of my shirts or my cross or whatever, I'm doing the same thing Vic and Dave are doing. I'm trying to do the old lady thing, trying to be respectful of the kids, trying to help out. But what I'm trying to do in addition to that is advertise the reason for the season. I mean, all the seasons, right? So I want people to know that this guy with the Jesus shirt or, or the cross on, he's not preaching it with words. He's doing it, but he's clearly got an advertisement of who he is and who he follows. I took it another step up and mainly because it keeps me in check. Now, I've had that happen where people are like, you're just doing that because you think you're so good. And I just sit back and I'm like, that's the devil talking. You just, just leave that alone because you know what you did was correct. Yes. Am I advertising the reason for it? Absolutely. Am I preaching it with my voice? No. But yes, all glory to God. I'm not scared to give glory to God. It, so what I answered that person was, the reason is Jesus Christ. Whether it's for his justification or mine, that's for you to figure out. But the reason is for Jesus Christ. Period. I mean, the more you give, the more you put yourself out on that line, the more you're going to get attacked. So I've come to the conclusion now, and, and these guys are my witness, that I had, a, I had to step it up a notch. I had to step it up a notch with this podcast. I had to step it up a notch with my behavior in society, how I present myself. And I have, a, I have to step it up a notch with my family. And you know what? It's always not a positive outcome. If you're going to give yourself over fully to Christ, and I'm not saying I'm a saint because I'm not, because everybody knows I have a bad temper. I have, I have quite, quite colorful language sometimes. Um, and I'm not afraid to say that. These are my things. But what I'm also not afraid of is to use my fired up spirit for Jesus. I'm not going to sit there and let somebody tell my family X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to let other people get abused in public. If I see something like Dave said and like Vic said, I'm going to jump to it. And I may mention that it was Jesus that, you know, helped me, or I may not. My just presence there will do that. But there's other people on the other side of the coin, the children of the dark one, who sense the same thing when they're in tune with that. 
And they go, oh, you're just doing that to show off Jesus. No, I'm doing it to showcase Jesus. I'm not doing it to show off Jesus. Jesus doesn't show off. He created you, me, and everything in between. So if you're ready to go to that level, gentlemen who are listening, and frankly, ladies as well, you're, you're going to get some spiritual pushback. You'll get a lot of blessings. Guarantee. Guarantee. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. But you're going to get some things that you've never seen out of the, you know, when you go from the gray man or woman, the just everyday Jack and Jane, get on with your life. Maybe you go to church on Sunday. Maybe you don't. Maybe you read the Bible. Maybe you don't. But you don't proclaim him through your actions. Once you do, once you make the decision, the next step, you're, you'll see the negative. And the negative will also be a blessing to you. Let's go to the next subject, guys. I wanna, I'm going to talk about taking back our homes, our countries, and our churches. So I kind of have an action plan that I, I, frequent, I frequently speak about with you guys. Um, I know J- Dave doesn't have a particular church building or, or denomination at this point. Um, so this is, this is kind of a loaded question for him. But, I mean, he has an opinion on everything, and like I do, so it shouldn't be too hard <laughs> for him. And Victor, I know, is actually in the fight right now. So let, let, me, let, me, let me start with a logical place. Vic, what do you – like, I know you're in this now, so this is kind of like you're building the car as you're driving it kind of thing. I've already conquered – I don't say conquered fully, but I've already addressed this in my life several months back when we had this question – how was, I, how was I going to take back my spiritual life as a Catholic, my home, my country, my church? And I kind of have an action plan. I've only done maybe one of those three. So what I'm asking, Vic, is do you have an action plan to take? Well, you don't need to take your home back because your home is not being invaded, right? You don't have uh, – you, you don't have – I, my home is a peaceful place. Right. There, and you don't have is... your children are not at home that you mentioned right. that are maybe maybe on the fringe. So you, they're, they're, they're grown men at this point. They're grown men and they make their own decisions. Absolutely. So how would you take back your church and, and, your, and your country? Because obviously it's, all, it's our country. We're talking in the United States for those outside of the U.S. And the church, meaning Big C, you know, Big C Christian Church, the, 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 the fullness of Christian believers in the Trinity. And then small C, St. John's Parish at the end of 5th and Bainbridge. Go. Well, as, as far as small C, I've talked to um, the pastor of the church and a few other men that I can kind of corner and when it's donut time. Uh, <laughs> that kind there's of, always donut time in a good Catholic church. There's always donut time. <laughs> but, but uh, of, you know, Starting some kind of men's study group, which Protestant churches have all over the place. Yes, they do. You know, there will be a men's study group every Thursday evening. Show up, at, you know, show up at seven o'clock, and we will go through the Bible, or we will talk about a particular aspect of the faith, or we'll talk about a particular moral issue. And I've not received very good feedback on that, and I believe actually that the the minister, the pastor, is concerned about labeling it a men's study group. Huh. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> you know, and 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 I've said, well, look, that's what I am. I'm a man. I know, I know but so I'm not sure where that's going to go, <clears throat> and my, I don't believe I'm ever going to get any kind of robust support for that. Which which makes me very, very sad. Now, as far as big church, once again, 
um, my actions, you know, the way I behave day to day, the way I behave day to day, the the fact that I <clears throat> I found something kind of interesting the other day. There was a and I think this has to do with the way that people look at men. This may not be what you want to hear. There was a soldier in 1939 whose body was found. And what he had in his pocket was a letter that he was writing to the woman that he planned to marry. Okay. And much of the letter had been destroyed, but the letter says, when the war is over, we'll get married and the earth will grow flowers like you and your womb will carry the most beautiful girl in the universe. Okay. That's a love letter. Beautiful. You know, that's a love letter. That's a letter where he's talking about this is first off. I hope that I survive this war. If I survive this war, I'm coming home and I'm marrying you. I'm going to build a home. I'm going to grow flowers that are beautiful like you, and we will have beautiful children. Look, to me, that's a 100% positive kind of thing. But what I was seeing in the forum where this had been posted was the vitriol. You know, what a creep. Why in the world would anybody say something like that to a woman? It was it was as if it's as if the world has turned upside down and the expression of love is somehow considered disrespectful. So I stood up and gave my view on these things that it's proper for a man to if he loves a woman to express that love. It's proper for a man if the world is changing such that he needs to go to war for him to go to war. And if he survives, it's proper for him to come home and build that life that he's dreamed about building. That's what God wants us to do, I think. And I don't know why that particular impulse that just, what to me is just the standard male impulse has been so marginalized. Excellent. Dave, you're, you're without small C church. But you have Big C Church Christianity. Obviously, your soul is now to, belongs to the Lord officially. What do you see? I don't want to say the semi-outsider, but you're like one foot in, one foot out kind of thing. Like where you're you're now coming into fullness of the faith, and you see as well as we do. You know, we're sitting here knee deep in it, at least in the Catholic tradition, effeminacy, idiocy, laziness. Um, you know, uh, a big focus on ecumenism with non-Christian religions, saying that everybody's equal in the same mountain, and this. Uh, what do you? Which like? What's your action plan if you were to? And I don't mean like fix the Catholic Church because that's going to take you know years to. <laughs> You know, men are men, right? They do. Amongst the twelve apostles, we had Judas. But what do you see in Christianity? as like the action plan to take it back from the hands of people who would distort it. People who took the Apostles' Creed, and I'm just going to go on a tangent for a little bit because I want to give not only Dave some ammunition, but I want to give the, the, the viewers who are not deeply mired in this mess the understanding. You know, I shared with these two gentlemen uh, a new version of the Apostles' Creed. just came out recently. If you don't know, it's not approved by Mother Church. It's not approved by any of uh, the pr- Protestant denominations except one, which is an offshoot of an offshoot. 
and it's not approved by, by the Orthodox. It's the Sparkle Creed. Oh, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen, the Sparkle Creed. They basically took the Apostles' Creed, the Declaration of Faith, that all Christian men and women say at least once on Sunday, mo- most, most denominations say it on Sunday, to declare that we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Say it with me, everybody. They took this and they turned it on its head to say we believe in God, mother and father. Basically, gender neutral everything. Can I just read it? Yeah. Okay. You you read it, and then I'll go back on my soapbox <clears throat> in a minute. Because do I'm I gonna, have to I'm listen to it? This. Yeah. Do we have to listen to this? So I'm gonna. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I, warn I, you. I won't read it if it's going to offend you, but and because it, <laughs> no, it, no, it offends me. All right. Let's see that I've got the right one. Um, Lord have mercy. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling, child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of the white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity, affirmed the congregation, which... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I I was hitting... uh, Okay. And refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Uh, then it must continue into... I'm going to puke. Can you stop? I can stop. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I mean, you. no, this is... This is this is, this is well, I feel blasphemous reading it. Yeah, I feel disgusting well, listening I, to I feel blasphemous. Well, look, I mean, I, I'm reading it. If I were a Catholic priest, I would have to read things that were very much against what my faith was. Of course. Yes, but... I, 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 I mean, I'm going to take it from Vic because if you see Vic's face on the screen right now, which you guys can't, he's just like it looked like he ate razors, and 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 David shaking his head, and I'm sitting here like holding a cross up to the screen as if I want to like exercise the whole thing out of. This is the problem. We have missed the understanding of what it means to be a Christian and Christian men, and and, and we have frankly people that are following this this nonsense. Why is it so wrong to say God the Father? And there's Jesus nothing wrong with saying Son. God there's the nothing. Father. There's nothing. But I'm, I'm asking the rhetorical of the audience. It's become almost like this idiocy, right? So I'm going to go back and I'm going to shoot it to Dave. With all this crap that's out there, right? And this is not just Catholic Church. We got we got Luther. We, with some branches, we talked about the Methodist Church doing its own thing. What do you see Dave's plan is to keep, A, Dave straight, and if you were like, I don't want to say Pope, but yeah, Pope, Holy Roman Emperor, whatever you want to call it. For all Christianity, what, what do you think the action plan is? I can tell you what I think my action plan is. I think the listeners know what my action plan is. But what, Dave, what do you see us men and women take? How, how do we take back the church? Big C. Okay, so I will tell you that from, from my perspective, it's, it's disheartening to see the Lutheran church the Methodist Church, even the Episcopal Church, going down these paths. Uh, and it is, it's very frustrating. But for the most part, the Southern Baptist Church is not going that route. And oh, excellent. Let us, know, let, let's hear about it. That, that's, we need this. We need to talk about our brothers in Christ in the in you, Southern Baptist Church. Well, you asked about, or you were you were talking earlier about uh, 
not seeing churches where uh, they're living their faith every day. And right. my father's church, and my stepmother goes there now, still goes there. Um, they live a very Christian life there. Um, they are hugely supportive of each other. The support that she got when my father passed was phenomenal and that she supports others and they have their Bible studies and they have their events that they do. They have their support that they give to the community, to people in need to educate people who have had uh, harder beginnings in life so that they can go further in life. I mean, they do a ton of outreach and it is really cool to see. And they are biblical, right? I mean, that's most of our conversations that you and I have had have been about tradition versus, you know, sola scriptura, right? Um, and not to debate that, but when you look at the churches that have stayed the most biblical, the Southern Baptist is one of them. Uh, now, I think that they are missing some things. I think there are some things that they have missed that the Catholic Church has, which is which is my struggle in finding a, a good fit. But I think that the world that we live in has lost its mind, and it is really trying to crumble the foundation of society. And the churches, and this includes the Catholic Church, uh, you know, and this is as an outsider. Sure, absolutely. Um, but the churches are following in those footsteps. They are heading in that direction. And I don't know how you stop it. I don't know if the only way you stop it is, is you, you know, join some really strict sect and go live in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I have no idea. Don't think they I haven't tried it. Yeah, the Essenes tried that. Look where they are now. You know what it's seen? I don't know any yes, Essenes. I'm yes. just saying. Uh, no, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, I think I've read some stuff by them. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Whole Dead Sea school stuff. You know? <laughs> just a few things. But yeah, they're not around to explain them. So uh, yeah, it's it's really frustrating to look at. And it's one of the reasons why it's so hard for me to find a church. Because... Uh, the the churches around me they they all want to be of this world right that's the issue and that i think that they believe that they need to do that so that society will accept them so that they can maintain membership but that's not what the purpose of christianity is Bingo. the purpose is not to fit into and be accepted in this world purpose is to follow christ to follow the the word of god and live according to it and it's not a a popularity contest and i think that this is i hope short-lived short being a relative term i think that the catholic church short means a century yeah yeah and that's that's fine that's i do Mm -hmm. mean short in that term right Mm -hmm. i think that if i think that 50 100 years from now if there is still a church 
<laughs> if it's all still here, I think this will start to correct. I think you will be back towards uh, more traditional. I think it'll happen sooner that, honestly. I, I think that there is, if one of the 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 beauties, it was, okay, so first of all, the internet, with what it has become, has been the biggest avenue for the destruction of society that we see. But one of the benefits out of it is that you can have the St. Elias report. You can have these other speakers out there that are saying, no, this is not the way, and they can't be muffled by anyone, right? I would not feel comfortable, and just because it's not me, but I would not feel comfortable sitting down on, you know, the corner of Main Street with a Bible saying, this is the word of God, this is what it says, this is what you should do. But I have no problem coming on a podcast with you and proclaiming my face and and talking about it. And I think you're going to get more and more people that are doing that. And I think you're seeing it now. And I think that that has the opportunity for a major correction. We can just pray that it happens. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you what my plan is. And I'm I'm going to tell you my micro plan, my George Anthony plan. And I'm going to tell you like Holy Roman Emperor George Anthony plan, because I have both in my mind. So the one that I've spoke about on other podcasts, the microcosm, the, the, the in your home plan is sort of like the following, right? You can't go out in the world and start trying to change others if you're not going to change yourself. Take the, the, the log out of your eye before you want to remove the splinter from your neighbor, from your brother's eye, Christ said. Right. What's that mean? What's that mean? It means like you may be well-intentioned, guys, and you're going to go out there and you're going to try to fight evil. But then you know what? Tonight, we're going to beat our wives. We're going to look at some porno. We're going to get really, really blasted and drunk. We're going to light up the doobie and we're going to drive the car 100 miles an hour. I mean, whatever your sin is, you know, whatever, whatever the devil finds his way into your life, you can't go out and fight something external and try to try try to live the same way in your in your home you, and you know that's not to say we're, we're sinless right because I, I have the i have man my confessor gets an earful every other week um but one of the things my confessor father mike said what i let me let me let me share my confession which is probably a lot of catholics confession out there and frankly men and women of goodwill it's frustration i like father you know what one of my frustrations is i find myself aggravated in mass more times then, um, you know, I'm getting spiritual nourishment, right? I'm finding the happy and the clappy and the clown mess and the weirdo stuff and the, the old ladies talking about bingo and the guys talking about the football game that they're going to see and the people leaving before the priest leaves and all this other stuff is like literally clouding my brain, my, my human brain, and making me more aggravated than joyous. You know, Father, Father Mike said to me, this simple, humble man, this traditional priest. By the way, so the, the church that I was going to was more of the what uh, Dave is coining, the Main Street, trying to get along with everybody kind of church, popularity contest. You know, let's not ruffle any feathers. Don't make the sermon uh, too strong. Don't make it too weak. Just get along. The, the gray man church, just collect, shut up, do your thing, check the box, move on. 
you know, Vic was talking about that kind of church, too. That's where I was going. Right. Because it's down the street from where I live. But I found myself a really good confessor in that church. He happens to be a hospital or priest. And I'll, I'll just give you a background. His mission is called to wherever the bishop calls him. Right. He just fills in. So St. Ignatius, he goes. St. Mary's, he goes. Wh- wherever he's needed, he's just, their tradition comes out of Jerusalem. They're, they just go where they're needed. They're just missionaries. So part of being a missionary for him in the local diocese is just, Bishop says, I do. Right. So he's been in this local church and I noticed him because he's wearing a cassock. He's not your business suit wearing priest, although that's not bad. I'm not saying, you know what, but I noticed he, he's setting himself apart. He was kind of doing, what I'm doing now. And this is where I got my, my setting myself apart idea from. He's wearing a cassock. And I'm like, man, 1940s is a long way off. This guy's wearing a cassock. I said, let me go confess to him. Confess to him. I say, Father, you know what? I'm seeing all this craziness in the church on Sunday and the other holy days of obligation. I can't get it together. And I'm, I'm thinking some really nasty thoughts in my head. Like I, I'm dropping some F-bombs inside my head. Like this person, that person, I'm being judgmental. I'm all over the place. And I know I'm supposed to be here for Christ. But look, Lord, I can't get it together because there, he said, son, shut up. Put your head down. Sit in the front pew. Sit as close as you can to the blessed sacrament. So every stupid thing that goes in your mind is behind you. And don't <laughs> turn around. <laughs> and I said, okay, Father, I went. And I tried it. Three weeks later, back in confession. Bless me, Father. Five, seven. It's been three weeks since you heard my last confession. By the way, it's George Anthony. How'd I work, son? Father, not so good. You know, he said to me, well, you can choose to be a martyr in this church, you know, mental martyr, like you can just suffer, or you can remove yourself and you find another house of God that you feel more spiritually nourished in. There's no sin in that, son. He's like, you don't owe your reverence to uh, a building. You don't owe your reverence to a priest. You don't owe your reverence to a bishop, meaning like you're, yeah, you owe them reverence. I shouldn't say reverence. You owe them reverence to be reverent to the, but you don't owe them loyalty. You owe Christ loyalty. And those people that are going to owe Christ loyalty, you owe them loyalty. So what did I do? I used exactly what Dave is saying, the internet, the great blessing to me. To find a mass and a pr- it was experimental. It just didn't fall in my lap. Like, hey, are you guys cool? Are you reverent? Like, you can't call up a parish and do that. You got to do one of two things. You got to have really no time. You have to have like a lot of time on your hand and no schedule where you can go to four or five Catholic masses or or, or services on a Sunday, which I don't have because I have a child and a wife and a full time job and this research and other research, or. You just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I believe you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, were with me in this process spiritually, and we were talking through this process. So I've now found two churches, two physical church buildings, Catholic churches. One is a Novus Ordo. One is a, 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 a new mass in English, super reverent, super reverent people, super, uh, the, the, the priest is a, is a monk. He's a friar. Um, and Father Mike actually by the grace of God, I did not know Father Mike served Mass in that church. When, my, when I told my wife we were going to go through this process and that he was my confessor and she knew exactly who he was. And the first Mass that I went to St. Catherine's, Father Mike said Mass there. 
the tears came from my eyes. Glory be to God. I, I, it's the hand, it's provident. It's just, I believe in these things. And he said, what are you doing here? He says, Father, I followed your instructions. He says, I'm not listed on the register as a pastor. I says, I wasn't looking for you as a pastor because I know you're a hospitaler. You, you just go where the bishop tells you. I just went to the closest one that I was doing research that I felt was reverent because I looked at the bulletin. I read some things. I got some, you know, there were some Yelp reviews online, uh, you know, for, for God's sake. He said it's a very reverent, old fashioned kind of parish. The people are very like together. They celebrate together. They, they, they share their faith together. Just happens to be he's filling in for a sick priest that Sunday. Glory be to God. And the second one I found was a church that used to be happy, clappy and guitar music. And I didn't know it was this church. I've attended this church for funerals and things in the past where you had like old ladies going up to the Blessed Sacrament, putting their hand in, you know, and all kind of crazy, like disrespectful things, like just insanity. But here's, here's the thing, how, how God changes hearts and minds. I go on the Internet. And I'm looking for parishes that, you know, either look reverent. I'm kind of like trying to like get those like clues that I've been given to Dave and Vic how to do this or that one that has a traditional Latin mass. And it doesn't mean that the, you know, that is the be all end all. But there's tends to with the traditional Latin mass come a, a level of high church, you know, and that's a Protestant term, right? A, 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 a militaristic style of organization, meaning that there's not a lot of room for going outside. Now, you can have evil people in that, too. You can have weirdo people in that, too. But it tends to be a good kind of gauge. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I said, all right, they have a TLM. Let me go there. Maybe I'm not going to go to the TLM. I'm going to go to the Novus Order. I'm going to go to English Mass. I show up at the at the at the driveway with my car, and I literally almost did a U-turn out of the out, out, out of the parking lot because I remember going to this church for funerals and other masses where years ago, like three, four years ago, prior to this experience, where it was nothing but insanity. They had cheerleaders up on this. I'm talking about all kind of crazy, like high school kids uh, play acting during Eucharist. We all circle the, the altar kind of th- insanity, craziness. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. What, what, what the hell is this? I said, how, how is this possible? I said, well, you know what? As a good Catholic, good Christian, I got to fulfill my Sunday obligation. We're going to have to bite the bullet once again. And what do you know? In that time, those three years, that pastor that was leading all that craziness and all that idiocy was recalled or retired. And here comes another priest in here, young, reverent, says both the English Mass and the Latin Mass with the most utmost respect. The people, he's rejuvenated them. He's actually tore out all the craziness that was in the church. I'm talking about the physicalities, all the, the insane art that looked like demonic and weird and the, and the ugly carpets and all the, the, the clown-looking stuff, and he's put in high church altar. High, beautiful, beautiful. So God can lead you to these things, but it's our duty to try to find those, right? So one of the things, what, that's part one of my plan. Part one of my plan is get active. If you're not satisfied in your life and you're finding that, things are causing you to sin, right? They, they may not be directly. People are not trying to make you sin. I, I'm sure those people in church are just doing what they do. But if things are causing you to sin, what the Lord say? Cut, off, cut it off. Cut the limb off. So I was one. Cut, cut it out of your if life. Th- if thine eye thins thee, pluck it out. And that's why he's the producer of our show, ladies and gentlemen, not just my good friend. 
if they are, if they are, that's a KJV translation. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I just noticed that. That was great. I love it. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Exactly. So I plucked out my offending eye. My offending eye was a local parish that was causing me to sin internally and not be the man that I need to be. Part two of my plan, get your house in order and get everyone else on board. Now, this is a little harder in the situations that my my friends are in because they don't have a, a Catholic family, so to speak. They don't have a, and I mean Catholicos in the Greek sense of the word, universal, meaning following uh-huh. the traditions that they're following. I don't mean Catholic Pope that way. But they don't have a Catholicos family. They're, they're not leading behind them in Christianity. They're leading behind them as men. And and uh, praise be to God, at one day that will that will happen. But get your house in order, at least your, your locker, your locker, right? Porn out of the house. Get all the things that cause you to sin out of the house. Not just move your church. Listen, if, if the church is causing you to sin, get out of the church and find a reverent one. Do some work. But also, don't come back to your house and put your feet up and be lazy. Don't, don't start looking at porn. Don't, you need to clean up your mess, okay? Can't be a Sunday Catholic, a Sunday Christian, a Sunday Baptist. That's got to go, okay? You got to get the... Then, then you have to start leading your family. Okay, not just be insular. I'm going to be a good Christian man. You have to start doing what David and Victor are doing, even if it's on the the very minuscule level. Start talking to others about Christ when they need to hear it and maybe not mention Christ, but mention the reason for your, your faith. Be an example to them, not just clean your own house, but the other rooms in your house are dirty. You got to branch out. You have to do it. Okay, you're you're not. It's not apostolizing to your your own family. God gave you your family as a blessing to do just that. Okay, and 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 the the other plan. The I think this is the third part of the plan is take up space. So you not only find what's offending you, what what is is needs to be changed in your own life, but help others to change their life. But now you have to bring that and go out into the world. You know, we say this in church. Uh, at the end of mass, you know, the uh, mass is ended, go in peace to love and serve the Lord out into the world. But we never do it. In fact, you go over to the donut sale, like Victor said, you go over to the donut sale. We just heard the words of the priest and the priest himself contradicted himself by not wanting to spread the word of God outside of the walls of, 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 of the church. The building right next door, or the room down the hallway, we're still supposed to be proclaiming God to each other. and talking about holy things or at least mimicking holiness and we're afraid so the short term is take up space I mean you know put yourself out in the world i send you as sheep amongst wolves be that sheep don't be scared and start small i started small i'm, I'm nowhere big right i'm not i'm not the guy with the cross in the bible i'm that's not me but glory to be god i want to be and my wife knows i'm crazy and i want to be I really want to be that guy. I always tell my wife, if there's a ninth crusade, I think we're on nine crusades, right? If there's a ninth crusade, sign me up. Whether that be a physical crusade or it be a spiritual crusade, sign me up. So we have to come up with our own plans, but that was my plan for my house. Now, plan for Big C Church? Man, this is this is like, like four podcasts in. So, what I just mentioned is plan for George, George Anthony, you know, get your own house in order and do those things that I mentioned. B 
Big C Church is going to take a lot of conversion of hearts, minds, and souls. And I don't think it's our job to really do anything other than other than what we need to do in our own lives, right? If there's more people doing the small thing, you, you guys heard death by a thousand cuts. Okay. We need to be those thousand cuts. Each one of us needs to be a small cut on the devil's back. I don't think I need to go out there and write notes to Pope Francis about this, that, or the other thing he may or may have not said. I don't think I need to go out and punch other podcasters verbally in the face about things they may or may not have said. I don't think I even need to, you know, do this podcast. But what I found out is there's need for this podcast. But if you simply just sit there and listen to me and take the advice that I'm giving you, death by a thousand cuts on the devil's back is the way it's going to be. Vic is going to convert his life more fully. I'm going to convert my life more fully. Dave's going to convert his life more fully. And when we find each other, whether it be on the internet through this, this means or in the church hall or out on the street or by example, when you see someone holding out pamphlets or you just see someone with a cross, you'll know the f- tree by its fruits. You'll know. You'll be spiritually in tune by your eye and your sense. You'll know who's fake and who's real. But we got to start with ourselves. So I don't really have a big plan, like let's go to ecumenical councils, you know, or or let's protest the synod on synodality, that nonsense. Yeah, do I think it's stupid? Yeah, but I'm going to write to my bishop. No, my, 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 I know my bishop's a holy guy. I happen to have a good bishop uh, across over there in, you know, other city. They have a bishop who had a male model in his house. And if you're attuned to uh, Catholic, Catholic uh, news, you'll know which bishop I'm talking about and exactly where I live. But I don't need to write to my bishop. My bishop's a holy guy. We need to clean up our own stuff. Start at home. So one of the things, you know, you asked about stuff that that I do or or can do in my life that can make a difference. One of the things that I do do, and it drives my family nuts, is I stop supporting companies that are promoting this nonsense. All right. I live near Disney. I won't go. I won't spend a dollar there. Right. The family wants to go. I'm like, you know what? We can go to Paramount. We can go to Universal. We can go to whatever, but I'm not going there. I, my wife drives me nuts because I will not go to Target anymore. These are companies that I don't approve of their support for this worldly environment and I'm just not going to give them my dollars. Now, along with what you just said, that means I'm spending my dollars somewhere else. I'm going somewhere else. So I'm taking up space there. One of the things that you can do in the Catholic Church is don't go to these modern services. Don't go where the priests are preaching in a modern worldly way, go to the traditional Latin masses, go to, you know, the priests that are more reverent and more traditional. And if that shift happens in a significant way, those at the top are going to look and see it without writing a single letter. You vote with your feet and you go where 
the message is true to what you feel, and that's true with any church, right? And then that's what will thrive. And, you know, as long as they don't completely outlaw them, <laughs> you know, I mean, you guys have a real problem. Um, but as oh, long absolutely. as they don't completely kill those types of masses, even then you'll find some way to go spend your time with the priests that are teaching, preaching the method or the message that is good for you and yeah, is, leave the other stuff behind. Yeah, this this is a problem regardless of denomination. So, like, what, what you're what Dave is saying to me besides just not spending his dollars in Disney target and all these other places is, you know, he doesn't want to cooperate. Let's, let's put Catholic terms on our, he doesn't want to cooperate with evil right? right now. There is some cooperation with evil evil. That is, I want to say morally acceptable. I give you an example, a gentleman who needs a job works for a hospital that performs abortions. However, he is a janitor. Is he performing the abortion? No. Is he cooperating with evil in some one millionth of a percent way? Absolutely. Okay. Part of original sin. He's cooperating with evil because evil would be the hospital that's performing abortions. He's cooperating with it by making the place clean for the doctors to do the the abortion, whatever. Is he guilty of a sin? No. He's cooperating with evil. What Dave has identified is a Dave has identified in his life that he wants to fast from cooperating with evil. He doesn't just want to go along to get along. He's taking it to the next level. Now, me particularly, am I doing what Dave does? No, I have an area that I live in that if you don't have Target, but Disney, yes, right. But if you don't have Target in your life, you don't have some of these other, uh, you really can't get stuff unless you have everything shipped to you. It's kind of like Alaska where I'm at. Um, do I have a clear conscience? Yes. But Dave's conscience is telling him he cannot any longer cooperate with companies that he believes are evil in nature. And I 100% commend him for that fasting. That's a fasting, everyone, because you know what? His wife's going to want to go to Target, right? She's going to want to like watch a Disney movie, like whether it's an adult. Some, and you're saying, no, enough is enough for me. So it's not only just taking up space. You're doing the reverse by fasting these conveniences. You're fasting convenience. And hopefully you realize that it's a fasting. And if you don't, give it up to the Lord, because, man, I don't have that ability to do that. I don't. I, I, there's what? no way. And it's not something I'm perfect at either. It's not like I've gone out and looked at every single company that I spend money with and, oh, sure. what is, what is their corporate policies and, you know, whatever. But where I can identify it easily. Yeah. I, it's just, you know, that's one thing that I can do. And it may seem like something small, but they're feeling it. It is hurting them significant losses. So yeah, it's something that helps. You got to hit the devil where it hurts, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, we talked about the, you know, Target with this, this, this whole the pushing of the LGBTQ deviant lifestyle agenda on the kids. I, enough is enough, right? Talked about the LA Dodgers in previous podcasts where you're going to have a, 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 a night. It was a family, it was supposed to be a family game, at, at like a five o'clock game when they brought in these, these people like desecrating the church and like these transgender, we don't need to get into it, but it's like these companies are going to do the, what's popular now with society. You know, there was, let's be honest, there was in society a time when Christianity was really popular. 
like the 50s, the 30s, the 40s. And Hollywood was placating to us by putting out movies like, um, you know, whether or not they really meant to put these movies out to edify our souls. I don't know. But they placated us because we were the thing. Catholicism was the big name in town in in Hollywood. We had a lot of Christian Catholic actors. They placated us. They had our late movies, black and white movies like Our Lady of Fatima, black and white movies. You know, we had like uh, the Bells of St. Mary at Christmas with Bing Crosby. Was he a practicing Catholic Christian? I don't know. But they placated us because we were the best thing since white bread at that time. Right now, it's the devil's time, I feel like. Okay, and I'm saying it in plain language. It's the it's the deviant lifestyles that's going on. You guys just turn on the news and figure it out, whether in U.S., Canada or another country. So those companies are placating that kind of thing. And it's up to us. You know, Dave feels that he very strongly about it. Um, I'm somewhere in between. If I can avoid it, I will. If I have a choice, I'll, I'll take the other choice. But do I actively avoid it like Dave? No. Vic, what do you feel about that? How are you? Are you doing any fasting and like, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying you're going into the desert with ashes and sackcloth, but like, what, what is your, do you have a well, practice? I do, actu- <clears throat> I do actual fasting. I mean, food fasting, generally hmm, one day every two weeks or so, where I'll, it, it's almost like being a Muslim. You know, I'll start in the morning. I won't eat anything until there are three stars in the sky. <laughs> And they uh, stole it from us. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, three stars in the sky. And I mean, that does a couple of things for you. First off, it makes you aware of the relatively minor discomfort that you have. Absolutely. You know, it's really not that big a deal. It's now when I was younger, I'm not sure I could have done that because my blood sugar would probably go to 35 and I would be. I would be sick, and and the church doesn't want that of me. No, of course not. I, I mean, but now I I can do that. I do the same thing Dave does. I mean, I I have never shopped at Target. I've never liked Target, but I, I'm not planning on going back. I certainly don't drink beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, mention the company's name. We all know. We all. Uh, I, know. I mean, yeah, I. I I've never in my life had a Bud Light. The only beer I've ever drinking, I've ever drinking, man, I am, I've ever consumed was in Mexico, and it was Corona. And the only reason I got that was because it was the only thing you could get that was cold. And it was, anyway. So if if it were to come to a situation where something that I really, really loved started going crazy on the LGBTQ lifestyle and enforcing that, I wouldn't have any problem avoiding it. It it would not, I wouldn't feel deprived. I would feel like I was doing what I should be doing. So let me, let me ask you guys this question. We're talking about what we do individually. Um, I kind of alluded to what you guys have been to me and I want to put you on the, both on the spot. How has this little organization, this little brotherhood that we have, we call it the Masapki Brothers. If you know your saints or your martyrs, these guys were three guys that were brothers. They stuck together when they were asked to, to defame Christ and say that they didn't believe in Christ. They, they went to the sword. They were murdered for their faith. So I've dubbed us lovingly uh, and facetiously. 
because I don't know how brave we all are. I know I'm not that brave, but I want to be the Masapki brothers. So in our little Masapki brothers group here, um, how have we helped each other? I will go first and I will reiterate what I said at the beginning of the show and I'll throw it back to Dave and I'll, and I'll throw it back to Vic. Um, so when I first started talking to these gentlemen back on a uh, related Discord server about demonology and spiritual warfare, I have, and I still do, very strong views about how the way, way the world should work, how the way the world does work, and where it needs to go, and frankly, everything in between from you know what socks you should wear. I'm a very opinionated guy. I'm the youngest of the three. Um, and I met these two gentlemen just a bit older than me who frankly took me under their wing and realized I had not something to prove, but something to say, and that it needed to get out there to others. And that maybe that server, that, that Discord server, that, that little that place wasn't exactly the place to do it. Um, and they kept pushing and prodding me with love and care. And we slowly became friends. We slowly became brothers in Christ. We, we, we did not hesitate to challenge each other. And through these gentlemen, they've been more supportive than all the men in the church that I've met. All the men in my family that I frankly, I, I don't speak about religion to. Um, these guys have been more instrumental and we've never shared the same physical space as Victor has alluded to. I've had more heartfelt conversations with these gentlemen over a year than I have had with some blood relations. And I love them with every part of my being. I honestly do. This last summer, and frankly, this last year, they've pulled me mentally out of some places that only the Lord knows where I was. I mean, this has been the summer from, you know, God knows what, between surgeries and everything else. These gentlemen have prayed with me. These gentlemen have loved me. And, and this is what I have not had the privilege or the honor to shake either one of their hands. But I feel more close to these fellows than all the men's groups and churches that I've been in and been invited to, frankly, and all the people that I see on a daily basis and speak with, within and without the church. So I can honestly say it's not sometimes the people that are blood-related to you that are your brothers, it's the individuals that are brothers in Christ. I mean, I don't know what else to say besides I'm going to shed a tear and I'm just going to kick it over to, to <laughs> Dave. I mean, I really feel strongly about these guys. I love them with everything that I have. Well, from, from my standpoint, our relationship started out as a debate, right? It was... Yeah, it, was, it did, didn't it? it? It was really debating theology and doctrine, Catholicism versus Protestant. and um what has been great is that it has been an un well i won't say unbiased but it's <laughs> it's been a very clear explanation of your perspective on things on your faith and it's been educational for me right it's been great because i get to see not just the big Catholic church as this thing that a lot of Protestants can't stand, right? I mean, right. there's uh, 
there's a lot of disagreement there, but it we've had great discussions on the why of things, which has helped me. Now we still don't dis- we don't still don't agree on everything, but but it's been educational in that. And then as you've moved towards doing this podcast, uh, your faith and the strength of it is inspiring. And that is what I know. And I know Vic gets that from you too. Your the just the degree of faith that you have is, is very, very inspirational. And, and I love it. Right. I mean, there's all the, the, the brotherly discussions and everything else we've had on just everyday life. But it is when it comes down to your faith and your, uh, zeal and fervor to get it across and to help others with it, it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, you, you humble, you humble me. And it's not easy to, that's not easy to do for this guy. <laughs> George, you have what, I always wanted in my life and actually have never had. And that is a, a family where the entire family was devoted to living a particular religion in its fullness. Something I've, I've something I've never had. I've always had, I've always failed in that. And every time I talk to you, I, and especially tonight, I've been more quiet tonight than I normally am. That's because you guys were pretty much carrying everything and I could just be lazy. But I'm thinking that whole time, everything is going around in my head. And it's a matter of just an awareness of where I can actually improve what I'm doing. Uh, I pray. I pray a fair amount. I don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. I can remember Caroline was watching me pray a few weeks ago, and she she said, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah, sure. She says, I don't really pray. And I said, well, okay. I, it's my belief that that is something you should do, even if it's very bumbling and you have no idea what you are doing. You know, I... I I absolutely believe that if you know you you go to God sincerely it doesn't matter what the prayer is. And so I the reason that I'm so I don't know willing to try to make the St. Elias report go um is that I believe in what you're doing. Um it's important to me you know, you you <clears throat> you two men are among the best friends I've ever had. Glory uh, be to God. I, I've had other friends, um, but I would say that at this point in my life, I have mm, five or six people that I really, really consider to be a friend. That's it. And so it's important to me to be a part of this. And I keep trying to make my faith stronger. And I suppose that's something that one does until the day you stop breathing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we need to close out this show before I become a big ball of mush from a 
fire and brimstone kind of preacher to a to a little <clears throat> I'm gonna hold my teddy bear and cry. Well let's and uh, <laughs> let's let yeah, I I'm touched. I, I'm really touched. I, I, I am I am I am gentlemen. I, I wanna thank you guys for helping me conduct this show. I wanna thank you gentlemen for everything you do technically. I want to thank you guys for everything you do for me spiritually. I want to thank you guys for just being my brothers in Christ. And I want to give advice out to the men specifically who are listening to this and the young boys who are listening to this. Find Christian men and men of goodwill and bind yourself to those people. They will not lead you astray. And if they do, like Jesus said, pluck it out. But what you can't do is you can't do what I was doing before, living a Christian life in isolation alone. You have to have you have to have either your family on board, which is your blood relation or your marriage marriage relation on board, or you need to find family, as I have found in these gentlemen, that will assist me in my climb of Golgotha to the cross to heaven. You you, you can't do it alone. Okay, he, Jesus said. Where there is one or more, therefore I am. He didn't say, where you are, I'm going to be too. Okay? He could have. He can be. He is. Obviously, when I'm alone at night and I sleep and I, and I, and I need him, he's there. But he's, he specifically made 12. He didn't go get one. And then just he made men to be with each other, to love and care for each other's men. That's the problem we've faced here in the U.S. and frankly around the world. You're either going to be hyper-masculine thinking that you're the best thing since white bread and not focus your attention on the other, be a selfish pig, so to speak, okay? Or you're so involved with someone else's life but on the wrong subjects, okay? The way the three of us work is that we're involved in each one of our lives on a daily basis. We know what we're doing. We keep in touch with each other as much as we can. It's all electronic at this point. But I could genuinely sit here and, and tell you what's going on with Dave and Vic at any point in time, because we genuinely love and care for each other. I say that to say this. Don't fear. God will make a way. If you guys are out there trying to live your faith and trying to fight the good fight and fight the spiritual war and be the church militant and be the crusader, you're going to need to find some fellows to do it with, whether that's your local parish, the football team. Uh, wherever you are, or you know what, online, you'll find them. And if you don't have them, call me. We'll get you hooked up. We'll make you part of this team. I'm happy to reach out to you. These gentlemen did it for me. I'm going to do it for you. Okay. Let us pray, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the lives of Victor and David. We thank you, Lord, for this podcast. We thank you for all the men and women that are listening to this, but especially our brothers in Jesus Christ, who are trying to struggle right now to lead their families in faith, who are trying to lead their children to faith, who are trying to live a holy life, Lord, but the devil keeps throwing obstacles in their way or their, their own obstacle where they don't believe they can do it on their own. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to send upon these men to give them the strength and the courage to reach out so someone can reach back out to them. We ask you, Lord, to help those people that are struggling, the people who are struggling in sickness and strife and anger and disillusion, especially wondering where you are. Show your face to them. 
show your face to them so that they can carry your message so that we can take back our country, our homes, and our lives and dedicate them only to you. We ask this in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure and honor doing this podcast with you. Um, I thank you for everything, and I wish you a good night. Thank you. For questions, comments, or concerns, please contact us at editor at saintelliasmedia.com. Also, please visit our website at saintelliasmedia.com, where you will find updated articles and additional resources. The St. Elias Report is hosted by George Anthony. It is produced by Vic Hermanson. Our technical director is David Griffith. The St. Elias Report is owned and operated by St. Elias Media and is a Masabki Brothers production. It's a